Award-winning journalist, beauty editor and business owner Liz Dwyer has reported on beauty and aesthetics for over 20 years. Based in Ireland, she has reported predominantly at Image Magazine, The Irish Times and at National Irish Broadcaster TV3. She set up Beauty Bootcamp in the noughties and PR and Brand Lab in 2015. In 2019, she joined forces with her sister Nikki Dwyer, a corporate lawyer to set up and run the Future Beauty Show. Future Beauty Show is the world's first live event dedicated to educating the public all about aesthetic medicine, tweakments, cosmetic dentistry and plastic surgery. Future Beauty Show is the world's first live event dedicated to educating the public all about aesthetic medicine, tweakments, cosmetic dentistry and plastic surgery. A web summit for the medical beauty world, it is hosted in Dublin annually and attracts up to 6,000 visitors, 80 exhibitors and 70 leading medical experts who discuss and demonstrate all the latest in aesthetic medicine, technology and medical beauty on various stages. Welcome Liz Dwyer to the Life Lab. Thanks for being here on Zoom. Thank you for having me. (laughs) It's great to have you here. Um, So Liz, uh, we did a little bit of an intro on you at the beginning of the of the podcast about your career in um, journalism, in beauty journalism. Can you give a bit more background about how you found yourself in that career and how it started off? Um, it stemmed from being a teenager. Um, I was uh, always reading the teenage magazines, you know, uh, for Ireland and UK, it was just 17 and Miz and more. And they were, for me, they were the most fascinating things I'd ever got my hands on. Um, I didn't have big sisters, we didn't have the internet, you know, so it was very hard to get information back, back when we were teenagers, other than, you know, misinformation you pick up from your mates in the, on the road and stuff like that. So for me, and also being a very Catholic country, sex and, um, you know, anything to do with periods or anything like that was very hush hush. And it was like, shh, doesn't happen, you know, so different now. It's amazing how different it is now. But anyway, back then that, that was our only, uh, that was my lifeline, you know, that was my big sister. So from a very young age, I wanted to do magazines. That, that's all I wanted to do. Um, so I did a, a degree in communications. And um, within that degree, you could sub- subspecialty within uh, print, radio or um, television. So uh, print was my, print and photography actually were my preferred mediums. Um, and from then I went into, um, re- I couldn't get a job in any uh, newspapers or magazines. No one would have me. Um, was that just because you were a graduate? You mean you just you... yeah, no experience, usual chicken egg situation, you know, you, you know, no experience, no job. Uh, so mm. I went into radio, um, which actually has proved an incredibly useful tool throughout throughout my career and the context I made there. I'm still working with today, you know. So even though I was quite reluctant and it was sales, I and I had no interest in doing radio sales. But at the same time, I was like, look, it's an in, get in the door, and and you'll you'll figure it out from there. Jesus, I got in the door and I was having an affair with the uh, boss within six months. So, <laughs> so I jumped pretty quickly. <laughs> um, so anyway, my, my career in radio didn't last too long. Let's put it that way. And uh, so from there, and then I, and then actually, then I got a job in a magazine. Again, doing, not doing writing, doing distribution and marketing and so forth. And um, I think it was, I was 24 or something around that point. And I, I don't know, obviously I wanted to get into the editorial side of things, but that wasn't happening. But the magazine was going belly up, the whole group, right? There was 20 magazines within the publishing group. And I remember like everyone was losing their jobs and freaking out. Was that just because at the time, what like, print was because... Yeah, there was, yeah. I don't really know, the, the, the managing director kind of rallied into the ground for numerous reasons. Um, and no, it was nothing to do with print going under. It was uh, 
lot of a lot of uh, outside factors. So, um, but there was one or two magazines I knew that were being kept um, and were going to be sold on with a few, few titles. And at this stage, can I just say I'd never even written an article, and uh, other than college stuff or whatever. And I remember going up to the boss, going, I, I, and I'd heard, you know, down the canteen, the editor of the Weddings magazine had walked out. All the editors walked out. So I went up to the boss and I was like, "You need a new editor for the for the Weddings magazine." And he was like, "I do." And I was like, "Can I do it?" And he was like why why are you going to do it I was like why not give me a chance like you're going under you know and if you're going to sell the magazine it would be better if you have staff mm. to go with it so he was like sure why not like he was a bit of a, a maverick kind of you know take a punt on, on things kind of person anyway so he let me be the editor of the weddings magazine <laughs> I'd never even been to a wedding <laughs> I think the last time I was at a wedding I was seven I was like a flower girl or something I'd never been a guest never been a bridesmaid Never written an article, and yet suddenly I was like the editor of Weddings Magazine. Hadn't a bounce, hadn't a bounce, but I was like, fuck it, it was my choice, my chance, you know. So that happened for, I did that for about a year. I knew it was all going under. I know it was, you know, potluck. It was just being cheeky, to be honest. It was cheek that got me that job. Cheek and balls. And um, so I did that for a year. And then finally the, the, the whole thing went, was sold as a package to another company, and it was outsourced and everything. So I knew, I knew my window was short. Um, but that was great because from there on in, I could go. In, I went into a lot of the newspapers saying, "I'm the I'm the editor of a weddings magazine. You know, I've just been made redundant. Woe be me! Give me a chance, kind of thing." So yeah. I just assumed I knew what I was doing. Again, I hadn't a clue. Um, and then I got a load of freelance work. I was doing the Irish Times. I was doing the Independent. I was doing the Herald. I must have been writing for every newspaper in town. And by the way, I can't spell. So that was another huge, huge issue. Um, I, I think this is it's actually hilarious that I've actually managed to have a career period um but uh i can't spell never could and, and i got away with it to a point but then all the sub-editors in the newspapers were like who is this one with her filthy copy so got away i think it was good because i would always go out and do naughty things and i was like you've got a great thing. personality you know people you're really yeah, like, on reflection i was doing crazy articles but they were hardly articles but you know, there were stupid things like, I'd be like, I how to change a tire, you know, and there'd be pictures of me on the side of the road with the tire, you know, and uh, like stupid things that would never happen now in the, the, the wake of Me Too and so forth. I was like, you know, how to be a Coast Guard, how to be a lifeguard, all this crap. And then I had a, a column called the Ten Commandments. So it was a bit sex in the city kind of thing, you know. Mm. Um, so that was then. And then I didn't know what happened. And then I went into magazines. So I went more into magazines, magazines, and there was a couple of social magazines. I was doing the fashion, the beauty, etc. Um, again, it was VIP, which is the Irish version of Hello magazine and stuff. So and it was a lot of celebrities and it was it was a fun time. It was at the time of the Celtic Tiger. So it was nonstop partying, nonstop, you know, events every night. I'd say I didn't, you know, you, you, you didn't buy yourself a cup of tea from one end of the week to the next because you were constantly drinking freebies and eating at, at canopies and stuff like that. So, so the Cal just for those that don't know, the Celtic Tiger was this massive uh, period of economic prosperity in Ireland during the, the 90s, right? It was the 90s. Uh, the early 90s, 96, yeah. it crashed. Well, I wouldn't say prosperity, it was lunacy. Lunacy, you know? like, yeah. It was absolute madness. And, and you know what, we're back, we're back here again, which is sad. It means we've absolutely learned nothing from, you know, the crash in the 90s. Um... I mean, Ireland and the economy and so forth. I mean, it's yeah. not just Ireland. Obviously, the whole world is having issues with cost of living and post-COVID and mm. the war and everything. But it's, just, you know, all the markers are there again. Anyway. Um, Back so to, so you were, 
You were going, having a great time during the... I had a wild yeah. time. Wild time. Uh, so that was, I was fashion editor then. And then I, I covered beauty. I kind of covered beauty as a side hustle, really. Do you know, they were like, beauty was just an afterthought. Um, but for me, actually, when I was out on the fashion shoots, for, I had, not that I had no interest in the fashion, but I found the beauty way more interesting than I found mm. the fashion side of things. Because I would like, the models would rock in in the morning and they'd be like, you know, normal girls, you know, and then an hour mm. later in hair and makeup. And not even just the models, we had a lot of celebs and stuff like that, you know. Um, and they'd rock out an hour later from hair and makeup and they'd be completely transformed. And I was like, how did you do that? What have you been using? You know, and again, this is pre-YouTube, pre-Instagram, like no one, these secrets were very much, you know, part of the industry and they were never, you know, let loose per se. Mm. So um, uh, from there, I was like, I would, you know, annoy all the hair and makeup teams. But like, show me what to do, show me how you put that hair in, dip that style, et cetera, et cetera. From that point, um, I started to look to beauty people and I set up this course called Beauty Bootcamp. And the idea was, I would bring the hair and makeup teams that I would work with on photo shoots to a, a studio at the weekends and women could come in and learn the hair and makeup tricks that I was picking up on these photo shoots. And also, again, at that stage, cosmetics was, you know, kind of just exploding as well. Like prior to that, we all had very basic makeup kits, but suddenly it was like, you know, all these brands were arriving and it was a very exciting time. And, you know, they seemed really transformative compared to the pan stick and, you know, rubbish that we'd all been using to that point. Um, so it was bringing all those products in as well. So it started, I was like, I just hired a studio for three weekends, like a makeup studio. And again, because I was in the position of being in, um, you know, media, I was able to generate a lot of PR, you know, mm. just, just for makers and brands. And we were, I remember putting it up on radio or something like that. And I, I three courses and I was like, I wonder if I even sell these three courses, you know? Um, and I met, I think, so let's say I needed 30 people to sell three courses and I had like 500 bookings within oh a week. Oh my God. So I was like, ah, what am I going to do? You know? So I remember at the time I was like, right, we need to, we need, this isn't going to work. Like uh, obviously the demand is there uh, and we need to figure it out. So I remember building all, getting, getting all the tables built, the make the mirrors and everything with the lights and that kind of Hollywood kind of vibe, very like Charlotte Tilbury kind of as Charlotte Tilbury looks now. Charlotte, I was way before you. Um, <laughs> and then the idea was to bring women into this kind of, you know, environment that was very feminine, girly, fun, um, but also like they, they, they would learn all these hair and makeup tricks. Um, so that was in 2007. Um, and like that ran for 13 years. I only closed it uh, uh, during lockdown. It's amazing. It was... Um, it was... Uh, it was obviously it wasn't feasible doing these these kind of courses during lockdown and it was kind of it was you know it was running its course anyway um but i'd always done that in tandem with my other full-time jobs um and i'd never kind of had the, the gumption to you know fully fully pack up everything and um go alone so prior to that during that time um i was working for uh, image then i went over and moved to image magazine which is like a big glossy magazine in ireland probably like an irish vogue for example and i was covering beauty there exclusively um which was awesome but again this is like that was 15 years ago so uh, at that time aesthetics was starting to creep into ireland very very slowly um but at any time i would like obviously the makeups and creams and the lotions and potions they were all lovely to cover and the health stuff but for me anytime there was anything scientific or you know a bit more you know clinical that was way more interesting to me than anything mm. that was going on in the cosmetic side of the industry Plus, like, you know, there's a certain point, I think most women have reached it now, you go, there's only so many creams. I know. And it doesn't do that much. I mean, it, it helps. Like, it, but it's, it helps 
very very fractionally compared to what what we're sold you know this mm. whole uh, oh yeah you know this is going to take 10 years off blah 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 and we all fell for it for so long you know um it's actually incredible that the cosmetics industry is so lucrative and so profitable when it's so for me on the most part it's very disappointing you know and underwhelming and, and the results are rubbish you know for the most part mm. they're, they're okay but they're not this you know life-changing you know yeah, it's kind of like they help. It's like, you know, it's like eating organic food or something. Like it's all, it all helps, but it's not the same as obviously doing, you know, actual aesthetic treatments, right? Like, exactly. And I was kind of, I'm at that point, you know, I honestly, you couldn't get into my bathroom with the creme de la Maris and the La Prairies and, you know, all the high-end products, you know, but I still didn't look any different or any better for it. So, mm. however, the minute you go into a clinic and you try a laser or you try a peel or you try, um, you know, uh, injectables or something like that, you know, I was like, that's transformative. Now mm. I look different. Now I look not different, but better. I look super, you know, I can tell, I immediately tell my skin has changed. My face has changed, you know, everything like all for the better, I hope. Mm. Um, so for me, that was like, you know, this, this is what works. This helps, but this works. You know, mm. when I say this works, I mean, aesthetics works. Okay. So I, the, the clinical side of beauty, anything people are like, what does aesthetics mean? And I'm like, aesthetics is, when you're, you're you're moving on from facials, cosmetics, uh, as we know it, and it's going into the clinical side of beauty, i.e. lasers, heat treatments, um, injectables, um, like all that kind of side of things, chemical peels, stuff mm. that technically should be supervised under medical supervision, but which isn't, which I'm sure we'll get into in a minute. Mm. But that whole idea. So this that level of, of, of uh, beauty. And then, I, I mean, at the extreme end of that, you have cosmetic surgery. Mm. Uh, so that kind of side of, of it, non-invasive tweakments, as we call them, that was fascinating to me. So during my time uh, in Image, I was also working for a TV show um, called Expose here, um, which is, again, uh, like the e-channel, maybe, you know, um, mm. and I was going out covering these aesthetic treatments on, on camera, you know, like kind of, oh, here's the, the butt lifting one or the ass freezing or the, you know, whatever it was. So, um, you know, put, literally putting myself out there in more ways than one. Um, and again, this was about maybe eight, nine years ago. And it, it, very, it was still very coy in Ireland. We're still coy and still very quiet. Uh, even after the weekend, we'd, like, we asked all the people at the Future Beauty Show, we were like, how many of you still lie to your husbands? And every single hand went up saying, never tell them anything. You know, it's still this like secret, you know. So um, why do you think that is? Liz. I don't know. I just, I think, well, I mean, in Ireland, we're just weird, right? In the sense, not weird, but we're like, we're very coy about everything. It's like, oh no, I wouldn't do that. I think it's like, like when my mum was, mum used to say, like, it used to be embarrassed, like she was ashamed to say you got your hair dyed. You know, it was one of those things. It was like, oh no, I don't dye my hair. This is my natural colour. Uh, and I think that's what it is nowadays. You know, it's that kind yeah. of fashion of it, you know? So, um, and like eight out of 10 women are having aesthetic treatments now in Ireland and UK. Mm. Now, aesthetic treatments also includes laser hair removal mm. and, for example, cosmetic dentistry. So it's not that everyone is doing Botox, I'm no. saying, but it's under the umbrella. So eight out of 10 people are doing it. And yet I'd say eight out of 10 are denying it, which is kind of funny. Um, I, again, in different countries, it's, it has a totally different attitude. You know, I know, for example, like in Brazil, they wear it as a badge of honor. Yeah, even can, you know. even here, I mean, you see people walking around if they've had a nose job, they just don't care. Like they've got the bandage on, they're in the, the mall, you know, there's no like shame attached to, I mean, especially, yeah, I don't think it's as a, a big a deal. Um, I suppose like yeah. in, uh, maybe in like in LA and things, people do, do that, right? They, it, there's no kind of stigma attached to doing 
plastic surgery? I don't know. I just, you know, it's just maybe it's just this whole idea of self-indulgence, maybe. You That's know? it, or you're like, spoiling yourself, or like yeah, you're, or in, you're so yeah. vain that you, vain, you, you, know, yeah. you, you would put yourself under this, you know, through this pain, or, you know, whereas we're like, you know what, again, I'm like, you know, if something is bugging you and there's a solution, you know, and you and it's safe and it's something that will make you, you know, happy, go for it, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But... Again, the whole point of, of, of what we do is make sure it's the right treatment, the right person, the right clinic. The right doctor. Uh, the right doctor. You know, it's, yeah. it's more of a, like a, there's a lot of variables that have to be in place for it to be great, you know. So so, so tell us about the Future Beauty Show, because that's, so you've, I mean, you know, you've obviously had this really very illustrious career. I know, you know, in, in, in the beauty, uh, kind of coming up through, beco- to become this kind of, beauty expert and you know you're on tv and people know you this is what you do and you've done a, you've launched a, uh, several businesses around beauty and aesthetics and now you have the future beauty show which just um happened recently that is 24 hours ago yeah oh so thank I'm you for still, being, I'm still on i bet you are you must be like coming down off the high um, slowly leaving my body, um, but it's been yeah, a huge success for you guys. Yeah, really and, and weirdly enough, it's been a success in Ireland, which, as I said, you know, is strange because we're still so coy about this whole industry. Mm. Um, so how it evolved, as I said, I was as, because I was doing the television um, for, like, you know, people would see me on TV doing these treatments, and because uh, I was working for the magazines and the newspapers, it kind of becomes synonymous with this 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 industry. And as I said, no one else was really doing it at the time. Um, now everyone's at it, <laughs> but, uh, so a lot of people would ask me questions, you know, they would email me, DM me, tweet me, pay, like tap me on the shoulder in the supermarket going, sorry, I really hope you don't mind. But like, I saw you, uh, you know, doing that treatment and like, do you think that would work for my gels? Or I have really bad psoriasis, you know, that urea thing you were talking about, do you think that mm. would work for me? Or I've heard, you see, this is the thing people assume it's the vanity stuff. I'd say 70% of people who come to our show or to our events Nothing, it's nothing to do with vanity. It's to do with stuff that really upsets them physiologically, you know, whether it's like hair loss, um, you know, post post chemo treatment problems, um, you know, obviously the inflammatory skin conditions, like the eczema, the psoriasis, the, the autophony. Is that part um, of the chemo uh, treatments, the post chemo treatments that? No, chemo just, is it like there's a whole other spectrum of, of, yeah. of problems you get if you've had chemo, um, unfortunately. Um, and then, you know, so there's all sorts of problems, you know, like uh, like vaginal atrophy, you know, um, prolapse, um, mm. you know, like all sorts of gynecological problems, body issues, stretch marks, you know, but there's, you know, loads of things that are come under this, this category. So people aren't coming in saying, I look wrecked. Well, actually, sorry, that's a lie. A lot of <laughs> Or like I look wrecked, I just don't want to look wrecked anymore. But they're not coming in and saying, I want to look like that girl on Love Island, you know. No, they they want to be like the way they were before. They have kind of, yeah. or I have a new issue that really annoys me, and now there's a solution. So sorry, I'm, I'm digressing. Um the idea from the show came because people kept asking me these questions. They were like, um, mm. what what here's my problem, what can I do about it? Who can I go to? Mm. How much is it gonna cost me? Is it safe? Etc. So again, there's a lot of variables that everyone needs to take into consideration when considering any tweakment. And another part of this whole thing is that people need to realize it isn't a beauty treatment. It is a medical treatment with medical devices or, or prescription products, and it needs to be taken seriously. It should not be I'm walking in off the street and getting my my injections done. It's not that simple. Um, and, and we've all seen the headlines. We've all seen the scary botch jobs all mm. over. You know, sun every day. There's a whole program in America dedicated to it. So uh, in the wrong hands, this is it's disastrous, oh. life-threatening, uh, makes people blind, you know, there's horrendous problems. But in the right hands, it can be amazing. So the idea from the show came from these constant questions. 
um, from as the nonstop people. I was like a full on referral service. Mm. So I was like, people want to know more about this. There's a desperate need for education. Um, there's a desperate need for referrals. And I was kind of thinking of setting up a website originally, you know, going maybe it's a kind of a Tinder situation, like a matchmaking situation. Um, but I, I'm not, I don't have a tech background. You know, it's not my, my an area I'm, I'm comfortable in. Um, so I said, maybe an event. And, but after bootcamp, having done bootcamp for 13 years, I was like, I don't want to do piddly events as in like 20 people. Because like the amount of work you put into a 20 person event is it's the same almost. Yeah. 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 You put into something for 6,000 people. Yeah. Say that. But after last week when I was having a heart attack, it's not true. Um, so, anyway, so I just remember I was talking to my sister Nikki about that at the time and we were, she wanted to get a bariatric balloon. Long story. We'll go back to that. And we just started, it just kind of evolved. And we're like, maybe we should put on an event. Maybe it should be a big event. And then we kind of was like, let's just go big or go home. That was our theory. Um, and we're like, fuck it, let's try it. We'll give it a go. So this was 2019. Great timing. <laughs> and we said we, we would try it. So Nikki had just, Nikki, my sister, had, she was a lawyer. And she'd just taken redundancy. And she was kind of at a, like a crossroads. She wasn't sure what she was doing. Um, and I was still, you know, working for all the newspapers, the usual, and had boot camp and so forth. But I kind of felt the need to, you know, move on. And as that aesthetics had always been my 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 yeah. uh, darling of, of such a stuff that I like, you know. Um, and I do know there's so much misinformation out there, so much confusion, um, and so many people, you know, doing the wrong treatments, wasting their money, uh, and putting their their bodies and and faces and health at risk, you know. So we had this idea to put on this huge event um, called Future Beauty. And the idea was we would have panelists, main stage panelists, com- conversations around, around all these topics. Like, for example, we've just had the one uh, this weekend. We just had the 23 show this weekend. And the, the topics were like we had a full talk on orthopedic health, right? Which you're kind of like, how does that overlap? But it does because you're like, the skin is here, but like the skin is the tablecloth, but underneath is the table. And yeah. if you look after the table... The underneath i.e. your bone structure your skull structure it doesn't matter what you do to the tablecloth it's going to fall on top of each other that's you know? so true so we have orthopedic help we had um weight management you know which is a big thing because obviously there's such a buzz now around ozempic saxenda we go with all the, the the weight loss injections um are they safe do they work so forth you know so there's that then there's like all uh obviously we have the botox talks we have the fillers talks we have the heat treatment talks you know should we be doing microneedling is radio frequency you know dangerous all of these kind of conversations um a lot of gynecological talks with we joke we could call it the vagina show because you know that is the most attended talk everyone's rocking in and uh because there's so much you can do for your vagina nowadays you know you can sit in the chair and like zap it back into its uh honeymoon state apparently um you can but it also helps with stress incontinence there's also it helps sexually um it helps with their pelvic floor you know we have all I've talks with incredible um, med- medics like doctors, dermatologists, surgeons, orthopedic surgeons, um, you know, scientists, um, stem cell specialists, you know, th- like there's so much to learn. And again, these are all people I've met through my line of work, which I've been extremely privy to, you know, and privileged to meet. And I always learn from them. I'm like, this is what I, when I sit down and I hear these conversations, I'm like, what, what? I never knew that. So again, this is what we wanted to bring to the show, this idea of a panel discussion. It's like loose women. It's not like someone getting up there and giving a, you know, a lengthy presentation about cells and mitochondria or anything. It's like a conversation that you'd be having with your friends going, I have this problem, what's going to work? 
And generally, mm. we, we try and give you options from the, the non-invasive, like holistic side of things. It could be acupuncture right through to surgical and then everything in between. So and we try to get different experts who have varying opinions, you know, so that if you have a problem, you can make a decision. You kind of listen to them and go, you know what? I don't need to be going and getting a nose job. I could get a little bit of filler here or maybe it's nothing to do with my mm. nose. I could actually, it's my, my cheek volume or something, you know. Mm. You know, so Often people have, they think they have something that, that is annoying them, or, but it's actually a completely different Thanks. solution than they thought, you know. Mm. Um, so this is where the show evolved. It was 2019. So we have lots of expert main stage speakers. We have, we have six or seven different stages, six or seven different things happening um and then we obviously have exhibitors and people can come and try these tweakments as we call them little mini versions like for instance over the weekend people were lots of hydrofacials lots of the vtl m sculpt m cella you know putting the the, the pads on you and he does you know 1200 sit-ups in 30 minutes um the, the vagina chair sit on that 1200 uh kegels in half an hour a lot of in microneedling dermabrasion exosome treatments so they can come and try these meet doctors nurses dentists um scientists you know and everyone who's involved in the show is medics we don't mm. we don't do non-medics uh and we don't do hair makeup tan nails any of that traditional side of beauty that mm. is for the side of, of of the of the industry um so we very much try to keep clinical and it's so people can come and learn and be informed um about what's available um you know and also cost you know how much are these things going to cost because mm. cheapers like you'd be spending thousands and in certain situations you're like actually am I going to throw 10 grand, you know, at this over the next three years? Maybe I should consider actually having a, a neck lift, you know, or maybe I should go, consider getting a proper tummy tuck for the same price. Mm. Um, and I'm going to be guaranteed results because mm. a lot of the times these treatments and so forth, you're not guaranteed results. And the results are, might be, you know, way below what you're expecting. Mm. So sometimes that's a conversation that people need to, to have as well. Um, mm. So as I said, the whole idea of the show is that we, we've opened up this conversation we're on year 2003 now, so we're on our fourth one now. Um, so it's growing every year. Um, we've just in the, the our biggest one yet, just gone this weekend. Um, I don't. I know everyone's like, how are your numbers? I'm like, I don't actually know. I have to go and like you know go through the, the scanners and everything like that. But you know, we I'd say we had maybe five thousand people over the weekend, and we'd like over a hundred doctors um, speaking, and we had about a hundred exhibitors. So it was a big event. It was you know? a big um, event, yeah. Yeah. Big event and like it was fun as well. Like we have lots of fun as well. Like it's yeah. been girly day out as well. It's a girly so, day out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. You know, like you I, could go yeah, with your friends. Yeah, you know, it's, there was a lot of men there. There was a, a lot. lot of men. It's not like we're and people are like, why do you never target men? I'm like, we just don't know. fundamentally we don't have the budget. You know, to target the male cohort, it's a whole other budget for marketing, for ads, and you need a whole other dynamic mm. for assets and everything. You know, it's not that they're not welcome and they're they're not in this industry. Yeah. They are, but it's like we don't have the, we don't have the spend to target uh, males. What about that the has- best advice you've ever received, um, or the advice that shaped your career the most? God, I don't think there's any one single piece of advice. Um, no, I've no advice. Nothing. I don't think I can say anything. What about the best advice you ever received? Did, did anyone ever like guide you or did you have any mentors that like helped guide you in your career or? Yeah, I definitely, like I always say to people, like when you're in, when you're teenagers or if you're in a if college or whatever, get a job in a bar, get a job in like a, in retail because it is absolute best learning experience you're ever going to get like dealing with customers on that level at that intensity and and, and there's such a spectrum of customers you know mm. it's 
the best training. You know, if I get a CV in and I'm like, this person worked in, uh, you know, Arnott's or this person worked in McCarthy's bar for like three years, Landrill, I'm like, boom, you're already, you're already through. Yeah. Because I know you can tolerate that. Like you can tolerate almost anything. And it's the best college, you know. Um, I had, I had a mentor. She's still, she's still my mentor, uh, Helen McAlinden. She was a fashion designer in Ireland crazy woman uh in the best possible way crazy um and i worked for her from about 15 onwards on and off like i started in her factory sales you know uh doing her factory sales at the weekend then by about 20 i was manager of her shops um some of her clothes shops again i don't know what i was doing because i was still in college but i'd be rocking in between college and the store and stuff and she used to send me off on the most insane assignments it was such a learning curve and i was like do you know what you know what? You can blag your way through anything. I think that's my only advice. <laughs> blag your way through stuff. Like, I think I've blagged my way through my entire life. Um, I know people say it's imposter syndrome, but genuinely, I don't have the skills. I don't have the experience to back up most stuff. But I think I just blagged my way there by being cheeky and going, right, like, you know, what? Well, screw it, let's do it. That's my, that is my motto. <laughs> yeah. Richard Branson's motto as well. Yeah, screw it, let's do it. What's the worst that can happen? That's so um, good. I aside going, shit, the worst has happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's really freaking bad. Um, but you just have to like, you know, try and write it off as experience, you know. And it still happens. Like even at the weekend, we make loads of mistakes, like so many mistakes. And I'm like, how did we make that mistake? And we're, we're you know, we're, we're, we're not novices anymore, you know, and we're, we're still screwing up, you know. Um, but you're but still doing it. Like you're always learning and you're still... Yeah, and it's funny because Licky and I, like, especially the last few months has been really challenging. Um, she's just had another baby. You know, there's been lots going on background-wise. Um, and like we've, we seem to take turns in our anxiety levels, you know, and I think it's really important to have someone to help you or you can have a rant to and go, oh my God, da, 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 you know, and then they calm you down. And then the next day or the next three days later, they'll do it. And they can pull you down. So it's, I think it's really helpful if you have someone who can, you know, you know, calm you down, talk you off the ledge. Um, and then it's your turn the next few mm-hmm. days because, you know, the problem on Monday could be the same as the problem on Friday, right? But if you're in a, a state state of stress and anxiety mm. or something else going on that problem can send you over the edge whereas mm. on friday for argument's sake you're calmer everything's chill whatever you can, you can deal it. With that problem. so it's not necessarily yeah. problems i think it's very much this mental state you're in you know and that's very hard to control you know mm. uh, and everyone's like do your yoga do your breathing blah 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 i do all that like shit happens and it's just you know people say oh it's how you deal with problems but for me, I can deal with the problem completely different on one day than I do next. Mm. It's how, I, how what, what, what I'm in that day, what mental state I'm in. Mm. And plus you're juggling a lot of stuff there. Like you've got like kids and you've got a big business. And everyone and... juggles. I mean, does anyone not juggle? True, like, yeah. I don't know a single person that like everyone's like, oh, I'm juggling wearing it as a badge of honor. And I'm like, you and like 8 billion people. Cool. Yeah. You know? No, I don't need to it's do, true you know, no you're right you're absolutely right struggle, but there is there's not i don't know a single person who just has a very clean life where they no. go to work from home do their exercises etc etc et everyone has stuff going no. on you know and even if it's yeah. not work kids whatever it might be sick parents it might be personal yeah issues. of course you know, yeah the surface on every single person and there is like you know a hotbed of stuff going on underneath no. well on on that note like what do you what do you what does success mean to you like how do you measure success money (laughs) okay that's a good one just straight up (laughs) everyone's like if you work for a buddy 
<laughs> yeah, that's what they say. You don't You'll never be successful. You have to have the icky. Again, my sister, she's all about, no, we need the why. And we need the thing. And I'm like, the why is I need to pay my freaking mortgage. And I have to put my two kids through school and I have bills to pay and I want to go on holidays and I want to get my, you know, I want to be able to pay for my Botox and my tan and my hair and my nails and everything. And uh, like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm sorry. Like everyone has this like, oh, you know, this altruistic, I want to help people and everything. I'm like, I need money. I'm sorry. Like, why else do we work? Fair enough. You know, I know it's like, have, like, I love meeting people. I love, you know, being, you know, all this kind of stuff. But <laughs> fundamentally, if I won the lottery tomorrow, would I work? Absolutely not. No way. I'm going off to an island and I'm going to have the crack for the rest of my life. So that's, that's my why. That's, I mean, that's fair enough. But like, obviously you do love this job as well. I mean, that helps. I mean, that's going to help you be successful because if, if you didn't love it, you wouldn't be able to be, have, you know, kind of like you're talking about those moments where you are a bit cheeky or you've got like a really great personality and you have the kind of confidence to go out and do things that may, but you do it because you love it. Right. So that helps. Yeah, I do. No, I do. Look, I do really love it. And I, what I like most is like, I like results, right? And in, in aesthetics, right? And I'm like, I want that person to get the result that she wants, right? Mm. And she's not going to get it by doing X. She needs to go to Dr. Roy, have treatment Z, and um, be willing to invest 2,000 euros. And if she's not ready, to, if she's not, if she has 500 euros and wants all this, you're better off not doing it. You yeah. know? So I, and then I love when people come back and go, do you know what? It's sorted now. Thank you so much. Dr. Y sorted me out. Look at me. I'm like a different person, you know. Mm. I love that. Uh, I also love doctors and dermatologists and surgeons and anatomy and science. I wish my biggest regret in life, my absolute biggest regret in life is not doing medicine. Really? 100%. Like if I could go back to my 18-year-old, 21-year-old self, I would smack myself across the head 10 times and say, go do a postgraduate medicine, you idiot. Um, oh my god that's I find it. it so interesting so if I, and I remember around 30 years of age I was like maybe I should do it now and I remember talking to someone about it and I was just kind of was like oh seven years I don't have the money I've two, I've got kids blah 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 and I, at 30 I thought it was too late and it wasn't I wish I'd done it then I wish I'd done a u-turn and gone into it I'd probably be in the same position I am now I probably would have gone into a sense. yeah probably would have done be in the same industry but I think obviously I would be at it from a different point of view um so that is my biggest regret I wish I'd done it so I do find that area absolutely riveting like i people are on like i don't know tinder at night i'm on the anatomy app like yeah. looking at weird bones and muscles going that's just incredible like that is like my porn do you know <laughs> like uh that is really interesting to me you know and um so i love that side of it you know that's amazing I, that's that was one of my questions actually do you have any regrets so that's uh yeah. you know that you huge regret. huge regret there is a three-year course my sister was talking about now and i'm still it's i haven't written it off yeah know? you should i might do a do a thing but i'm still i still have other stuff going on at the moment but i think yeah, yeah i think okay. i might do it not even to practice but just just for just you a i could do my own botox <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> no, just me, because I love it. I find it really interesting, you know. Um, and I love doctors and dermatologists and surgeons and everything, you know. I like, you know, I just, I, I love like sitting in a war for a week and just pull back skin and stuff. Maybe that's creepy. No, know? I think that's I, like your passion really, about it and you like yeah. to understand how it all works. And I guess that's really important in this, in, in yeah, that I industry. Love it. And the fact that you can change it, like that you can change muscular structure, you can change bone structure, you know, with aesthetics now is unreal. Like the mm. fact that we can change ourselves, you know, and, and how our body works now with, with regenerative medicine, you know, like that is, that's the most exciting thing to me. You know, I'm like, I think in about 10 years time, 20 years time, like we are all, I don't think we're ever going to age, first of all. It's going to be kind of creepy, you know? Like, everyone's going to stay at a certain point forever. There will be no 
old people, you know, or they will, but the, the ratio will be so different because they say children now are going to live till 100. It'll be their lifespan, you know. Mm. So the 80 year old is probably going to look what like a 60 year old looks like. More like a 50 year old or 45. Yeah, like yeah. even the way now you see it on Instagram, it's like 50 year olds in the 80s and it was Blanche Devereaux from the Golden Girls. That's right. And, you know, and now the 50 year olds are JLo and, you know, um, Jennifer Aniston, yeah. you know, and Kyrie. They all look like what a 20 year old look like now, you know. Yeah. So, I reckon in 30 years time, it's just, it's so advanced. Like even over the weekend, there was all these talks about exosomes, exosome therapy, which is kind of like the next generation of stem cell therapy and where it's going and how incredible it is. Is it incredible? So it's it's incredible. Like we can be sending messengers around our body saying, right, stem cells go, boom. Whereas stem cells were working in sports technology, or sports medicine, sorry. And like joint, helping with joint regeneration and so forth. But they took them into aesthetics and it kind of worked and it kind of didn't. And it's very hit and miss. And we have, we've had PRP i.e. the vampire facial again it's kind of it's volatile it doesn't necessarily work for everybody and it very much depends on your blood i.e. if you're putting the blood of an eight-year-old woman back into the, an eight-year-old woman's face it's eight-year-old blood you know an eight-year-old cells and eight-year-old stem cells they're not the same as a, you know an eight-year-old so with exosomes there's, there's all sorts of new ways now to, to treat this and that's where it's going to be like in five years time or maybe 10 years time i'd say we'll all be like exosomes for breakfast stem cell shots for lunch you know like we are going to keep ourselves very young and it might be weird, you know, but uh, it's on the way. It's you on know, the way. Disease and, you know, um, all of these kind of things, they all work together. Like with COVID, you know, the COVID vaccine mm. uh, opened the gateway for loads of other vaccine yeah. technologies to arrive. Um, and um, actually, even the exosome therapy we were talking about over the weekend, they've discovered now they're used their FDA trials for long COVID um uh, lung infections. Mm. The people who got COVID lung problems from think they're now using exosome therapy for their lungs, and it's really helpful. Wow. So that's amazing. Yeah. So they're so using exosomes in their lungs to help repair their the damage from COVID. From COVID, from wow. long COVID. Yeah. That's amazing. So, and, it's, and it's all starting. So this, and again with Botox, right? Botox started out as it was for a twitching eye, you know, uh, the crothers. Mm. Um, and now Botox is used. I think it's 178 medical applications. You know, so. Aesthetics often is the gateway to many other, you know, um, medical yeah. advances and vice versa. You know what I mean? They all work both ways, you know. So, but it is amazing what's going on, you know, when you scratch the surface. It so is. My, that would be my passion. That side of the thing. Like, you know, but, but as I said, I don't have a medical degree. So maybe this is my way of getting involved in the industry, you know. Of course. Uh, of course. Yeah. And you're super passionate about it. And what are you most proud of from your career? And my career. I was actually my kids. Well, obviously your kids. You're most proud of your kids. They're I kids. Am my little boy is ten. He spent all weekend working. He must have packed five thousand goodie bags on oh his own. Oh my god! And like, I, but it's so funny. At the end of it, he's like, "Mom, where's my money?" I told him he's getting seventy euros a day. And then he said to me this morning, "He goes, Mom, uh, I don't think you're you're paying me enough. I've talked to a few people about this." And he goes, "I want to raise." And I was like, "You're not getting a raise. You should have negotiated before the event." I was like, "There's your lesson number one in business." Don't negotiate after the event when the job is done because I'm not giving you any more money. I was like, but going forward, yeah, you've learned your lesson. If you <laughs> you negotiate your price before, so I'm most proud of him. He worked really hard. Oh my, my boy too. Yeah, that's amazing. so they're going to work on Alex too. So that's good. That's yeah, awesome. They're really yeah. that was so good. Like ten years old helping his mom the whole weekend. Ten years old, and I'm, I'm telling you, he wiped the floor with everyone else who was there. Like so, he was great, great little oh boy. Oh my but god, mad for money, mad for the cash. That's all he wants. He's like about three grand in his bank account. Uh, he's more than me and uh, like, <laughs> I'm like, what are you going to do with your payment this weekend like I thought we wanted to go to the Lego store and he's like I'm going to do investments I'm going to do investments he's like I'm going to do them on the Revolut app so 
Maybe he's my retirement plan because uh, wow. I don't have a pension. So. He's definitely going to be, uh, he's only 10. Oh my God, yeah. Liz, that's amazing. Not for the money, yeah. Do you have any advice, quick, like, you know, short snippets for young people, like anywhere in Ireland or, uh, you know, across the world who want to get into the, that industry, who would like to be a journalist, a, fa- um, a beauty journalist, yes. or get into the beauty industry? What, what advice... What do you know now that you wish you'd known at the start of your career for those people that you could share? I think it was find the power source in the organization you're in, right? Someone is always the power source and befriend the crap out of that power source. You know, do whatever it takes because they're making the decisions, right? So go in, establish who it is, you know, and go be their friend and be their assistant and be their helper. Even if it's nothing to do with what your job is, they will help you along the way, you know? That's good Uh, and uh, like in every organization, there's always someone. There's always like the alpha female or the alpha male in the pack yeah. there. Um, and it, listen, we're, it's the same in nature, you know, like animals do it. So we need to do it too. Um, mm. Because the parasaurs, and don't make an enemy of the parasaurs, actually. That's another piece mm. of advice. I have done that. Like, you know, gone in and, and you know, rubbed the parasaurs up the wrong way because I'd be in my bonnet. And that, mm. you know, has been to my detriment, you know, over mm-hmm. the years. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's good uh, advice. People yeah. having this idea that like work should be this all-encompassing, like life reaffirming, you know, um, you know, place that they go to every day. I'm like, you know, like that's great, Noel. Do you know what I mean? But it's a job. Do you know, mm. work. You know, it's not called play or fun. You know, you're going to work. So I think people need to reframe work, and it needs to go back to being like this place where you you put in the graft, not where you go and play mm. ping pong and get massages and have the crack and feel fulfilled. You know, you no. know what I mean, but I don't know. Yeah, I think that. Add pieces of everyone else. I'm sure saying. No, you're not. I I think that that a lot. I mean, there's a reason that that perception is out there, right? I mean, I think a lot of you know, it, it's sort of the whole thing about how everything should be like the you know, sort of arranged so as not to upset people and like make sure they're you know rather than I mean like like you were saying when you were working when I was working it was like no one really cared about what you felt or thought it was like just do the job you know and do the job yeah. and like get paid you yeah. know what I mean like and it's um and then you do what you know there's that the sense of money I also think people don't move out of home early enough that's another thing like I've noticed with that the younger be, generation yeah. I get right rent is through the roof it's impossible but I think for us getting out of the home was so important because again parents these days like make life so easy at home for teenagers 20 years yeah. they have it sorted you're like why would I move out and pay yeah. rent Again, in our generation, you weren't allowed to do anything as a teenager, so you were trying to get out of the family home yeah. as quick as possible. So mm. I think having that jeopardy to have to pay rent was mm. like, you were like, oh, fuck it, I hate this job, but I'll do it anyway. You know, I'm not mm. saying you should go around hating your job or whatever, but at the same time, I think having to pay rent and having to stand on your own two feet in your early 20s is so important. And all these 20-year-olds I know, they all live at home. They're like, I understand rent is through the roof and like, you know, finding accommodation is horrendous, but the same time i think that's not good for you know your adult development yeah um, and and also that sense of responsibility that i have to pay my rent i have to pay my bills um and and right this job isn't amazing but i'm going to suck it up because i i have uh, you know um responsibilities at the end of every month whereas when you're living at home and everything is there nice and handy you're like fuck it sure i'll just i'll just quit i don't like it i know, you know? yeah because you don't have the bills you don't have responsibilities yeah, mom right? and dad are going to pick up the tab yeah. you know what i mean yeah. and like it's cushy and it's grand and everything but it's i think it's really bad for the development of young people you know and, and yeah. that sense that they can just walk out in a job because it's boring and it's crap and it's you know it's not enlightening mm. you know they're not getting fulfilled from it you know but you're like mm. again this whole sense of fulfillment and work to me like it just sits wrong and as I said like I'm like work is work you yeah, know yeah. 
if you get fulfillment, great. Do you know what I mean? But you're going to have to put in a graph first. And I'm at a stage where I get fulfillment now, you know, but that's after 20 years of like doing, you know, solid grafting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And all sorts of, not just the work I wanted to do. No. uh, And dirty work and like work, seedy work. Do you know what I mean? Like, but I did it, you know, and I had the back. And I also backpack. That's my other thing. I was like, everyone get a, get a backpack, get your ticket to wherever it is you want to go. And like suck it up when you get there. So again, I've like disappeared all around the world with like 200 quid in my pocket, you know, um, and bl- blagged my way around the world, basically, you know, and that was such a learning curve as well. Yeah. Um, and I, again, and I, and I stayed in awful places, but, you know, met the best people, was exposed to the, you know. People from all different experience. walks of life. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll never get that again. I'm staying in hotels or apartments mm. or anything, you know. Um there's just a really cool backpacking community. I'm not sure if it's still the same, but I think it's not too. I think so. I mean, I still yeah. think it's there. It's obviously different, and there's probably a lot more secure. You know, I like so yeah. people are more cautious and things, but I like I still think you can go and travel as a young person, like as a you know when you graduate or yeah, uh, and, and take take some time off to kind of experience other cultures, other people that yeah, you never I mean, normally meet. There's that's something so enriching and like helps to form your personality in a much you know in a and you see the world completely different to like your own like bird's eye view of Europe or wherever it is exactly. you're living, you know. Um but I also think a lot of people are like, Oh, I need to save up from you don't have to do the year. You can no, do like just like two months. Year, like, do two months, save up and that's another yeah. reason why people should have jobs. Exactly. Get your crappy job in your retail, whatever, and save all that money and put it and if you are saving, you know, go and use it, you know. Exactly um, for life experiences because that's the, the best thing I've ever done. Was- this has been amazing. Um we are out of time in the studio, so we're gonna have to wrap it up. But just quickly, is there any one book or movie that really you love that you'd like to share with anything? So my favorite novel was The Shantaram. Um Oh, that it, was so good. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. It made yeah. into a, a series. It's terrible, absolutely terrible. Don't waste your time. And then my favorite life book is called Broken Open. Oh, uh, that's so okay. uh, Elizabeth Day. If you're ever having a problem or your life's falling apart, read this book. Game changer. Um, it was very much my. Uh, it got me over a lot of crap in the last few years, and um, highly recommend it to anybody. Anyone who's gone through any like bad bad times, or if some friend of yours has gone through bad things, gift it to them. Broken right. Open. Okay, that's Broken brilliant. Liz, this has been an absolutely lively, riveting, super fun <laughs> conversation. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. You're very welcome. Well, you forgot to mention that future beauty is coming to Dubai, hopefully. Yeah, so that's really important. So we want to just uh, get the, hopefully next year, right, you're going to bring it to Dubai. Um, yeah, so we'll, you know, to check out the website and yeah. um, keep yeah. your social media, that's obviously, for, for yeah. updates on when it's going to be in Dubai, because that's going to be really exciting. Say again? 200,000 euros, call me. Well, yeah, I mean, that's... I don't think... Any uh, rich Dubai people out there who want to invest in a, a beauty business, DM me and we can talk. I don't think that's going to be a problem because it's a big success in Ireland and I think it will go down so well here. So I'm sure I'm so excited to see it here and it's going to be it's going to be a great thing to bring to Dubai. So hopefully 2024 you'll you'll see it here. Inshallah. Yeah. Um, Liz, thank you so much. Okay, and we'll speak to you soon. Okay. Thanks. Bye, Liz. Bye. Bye.